הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים אמיתים שדברנו לכל הצדיקים אמיתים שוכני עפר קדוש ומשבח את המה. ובפחד רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחל נובע מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחל נפגה בן שמחה. נא נח נחמן נחמן נאומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. So thank God, ברוך השם, we start a, a new סימן לשיחות הר"ן, section 24, also do 25 today. Uh, starting with this idea which we're going to introduce, how Rabbeinu discusses tzedakah. And uh, this is a very unique topic, tzedakah, charity, as Rabbeinu teaches us in Nikute Moran, Tinyana Torah Dalet, if I'm not mistaken. He teaches us that all the openings are created through tzedakah. That when a person wants to begin something new, We of course know, as Rashi brings down, all the beginnings are difficult. When a person wants to start something for the first time, we of course know it's very difficult to do something because when you start something brand new, when something is new to you, you're going from one extreme to the next. For example, let's say a person wants to start keeping, start keeping kosher. Before he started keeping kosher, he has no restrictions. He eats whatever he wants. Now he has to put restrictions on himself. So it's going from one extreme to the next extreme. And of course... Jumping from one extreme to another extreme is very difficult. You're going against your nature. So, of course, it's not something that comes easy. And Rabbeinu says that staka breaks all the... It, it makes all the openings easy. This is why whenever you start something, whenever you start anything, when you start tefillah, when you start whatever it is, when you start your day, it's very good to give staka, very important to give staka. For it actually makes the, the, the beginnings easier. And it makes it more manageable. And this is an awesome secret Rabbeinu teaches us. Something that we all need to put into practice because Be'emet, um, it gives us a better opportunity, a better understanding of how to engage in that new task that we're trying to do. And that uh, makes it easier on us, of course. But uh, Rabbeinu is going to take a different approach with the Inyan of Tzedakah. And he's going to give us a beautiful parable discussing Tzedakah. And, co- and of course we know there's many different levels of Tzedakah. But uh, as Rabbi Natan teaches us um, in Alim uh, Nitrufa, Um, I believe, I forget which letter, 443, or, I, I don't know, I, f- I keep forgetting which, led, uh, which letter, but it's in the 400s, um, that he tells uh, his son that the biggest tzedakah a person can do is to give money towards printing the sfarim of the, of the tzaddikim, towards uh, money to illuminate the world with the teaching of the tzaddik. Because as we discussed in last class, there's of course money that you give towards people who need food. And of course that's very crucial and very important. And we should not giving. We should not stop giving for that. But the highest level of tzedakah exists when you give tzedakah for the tzaddik. And the tzaddik, whether he uses it for his panasa, whether he uses it for the Torah, whatever it is. The tzedakah for the tzaddik is the most important tzedakah that exists. Because you're essentially illuminating the world with the light of this tzaddik. And we're going to see um, more about this in this one. And uh, The level, the awesome advantage that a person who merits to give tzedakah to the true tzaddik attains, or to the true tzaddikim attains, is very precious and very great. Rabbeinu teaches us the level of, of one who merits to give tzedakah to the true tzaddikim is awesomely precious. Now Rabbeinu is going to give us a parable. Let's bring a parable. One time there's a son who was distant from his father. 
somehow you ended up across the country, whatever it might have been. He's no longer at the house of his father. He's very far away. And the son has tremendous yearning, great yearnings for his father, to see his father. And so too the father as well has awesome yearnings for his son. And after many days, the father comes to the conclusion and he settles in his head that he's going to go travel to his son. And so too the son settles and concludes that what? That he too will travel to his father. And they both embark on this journey in which they're traveling towards each other. And the closer they get to each other, the yearnings between the yearnings for each other, meaning the yearnings that the son has for the father and the father has for the son, grow greater and greater as he gets closer, as they both get closer to the destination. And they were traveling uh, to one another. Meaning the son is traveling to the father and the father to the son. Until they get so close to the point where there's only literally two paths out between them. There's only literally two miles between them. And the father understood as he was getting close and he was approaching this two mile mark between him and his son. The father understood that because his yearnings were so big, if he were to allow himself to draw even closer to the sun, the yearnings would go out of control to the point where he wouldn't be able to endure those yearnings. They would be dangerous. Because of the great love that he has for his son, the yearnings that he, that he, would, um, that he, would, that he would get whenever he would grow closer to his son and he would pass his two-mile mark would become actually dangerous. And so too the son understood as well. The same thing. That he had no more strength to endure these yearnings, these longings that would exist after the two mile mark as he was approaching past those two miles, um, as he was approaching closer uh, to his father. And if he would allow himself to go after them, meaning to to break this two mile mark and to draw even closer, go to one and a half miles, one mile, this, that, half a mile, and to get even closer, he realized that his soul would leave his body. And what happened? They both concluded to throw aside, to completely cast aside their yearnings and to completely push them over from their minds, to put away this yearning from their minds and to uh, completely remove these yearnings from their heads. And in the meanwhile, they both decided this on their own. One man came with his coach with a wagon. And he kidnapped, he snatched his son. And he brought the son to his father with great quickness, great speed. With one second like that. And uh, the son had no idea this was coming. Nor did the father. Rabbeinu says, Imagine the great and wondrous pleasure, the intense pleasure that this driver, this guy on the coach, caused that he, um, that he stimulated between the son and his father. 
because of their great yearnings. Because of the fact that this man brought the son to his father, he created a, an intense pleasure between both of them, an intense love between both of them that would only be possible had this man d- had done this act, snatched the son and brought him to his father. So imagine how much reward this, son, this guy will get when he brings such a pleasure, such a joy to both of the son and the father. And now Rabbanu is going to compare the parable. He's going he's gonna to tie it back to the initial subject of the tzedakah. The same is true of the tzaddik. Shehu ben Hashem He's the son of Hashem. He's the son of Hashem For more on this, um, look in lesson 5, look at the one, this inyan of the son. And because of the barrier that separates uh, one and his creator, the tzaddik is distant from his father, blessed be he. Meaning the tzaddik is distant from Hashem, from God. And the son is distant from his father because of this barrier that stands between them. And the tzaddik has yearnings, he has longings for God. Sorry, my bad. Hashem has longings, as if you can say. God has longings for the tzaddik, and so too the tzaddik um, yearns uh, to return and to draw close to Hashem. So you see that there's a, an intense yearning between both Hashem Itbach, our Creator, and the tzaddik who yearns to draw close to Hashem. And as they're drawing closer to one another, until they reach very, very close to each other. And there only exists between them the smallest of distances. They both come to the conclusion, both God and the Tzaddik. That because of the great yearnings that they have, the great intense desires that they have, it would be impossible to endure this any longer if they draw closer to one another. And they both agree to cast aside their yearnings. They both agree to throw the yearnings out of their mind. Because God told Himself, God tells Himself, Is this all I have to do? Is this my only task? I have many worlds to deal with. There are many worlds I need attention. I'm the creator of everything. I need to take care of everything else. So to the tzaddik, said in his mind, do I only have to do this? Is this my only task? Meaning to only yearn for God. I also need to do other acts of service. I also need to put on tzitzit. There's a time for tzitzit. I need to put on tzitzit. I need to put on tzitzit. And other commandments that require my attention. And they both agreed to cast aside their yearnings. As this was happening, as they both came to the same conclusion, both God and the tzaddik, but Ish Israeli came a Jew, an Ish Israeli, a Jewish man, Ish Israeli, one Jewish man came in Magala with a coach. They did that tzaddik panasan. He brought the tzaddik panasa a livelihood, sustenance. He gave him money so that he could survive. And through this act of charity, this man drew the tzaddik close to Hashem and brought him close to Hashem. Just like in the parable as we saw with the son and the father. And now we can understand why. For the tzaddik eats to satiate his soul. The tzaddik doesn't eat to satiate his body. He eats for the soul. 
He'll, sa- he'll satisfy your soul. He'll satiate your soul with splendors. With splendors. Meaning the tzaddik is satiate his soul with splendors. Not with the... Uh, it's not the food that he eats, as we see, Rabbeinu teaches us. Don't think for one second, as we see in Torah, you tet of the Torah 19. Don't think for one second that when you eat something, you're eating the actual food. The main thing is that you're eating the letters. You're eating the splendors behind the food. It's the letters, it's the... It's the lights behind the food. This is the way a true tzaddik eats. So you see the tzaddik eats or his soul is satiated with splendors. We find the result of all of that being said is what? That the great and true tzaddik, this awesome tzaddik who is unique in the world, really only one of a kind, he merits through the, his livelihood, through his panasah, through his eating, through his sustenance, he merits these um, lights, these uh, splendorous lights. And through these splendors, he breaks that barrier that separates him and God through the splendors. And through this, Tzadik is drawn close to Hashem. So we see that this man, we're going to see here in Nimtza, the result of all of this is what? We can't even. Um, we can't even imagine the countless pleasure that this man who brought the panasat to the tzaddik caused. That with doing this, with giving the tzaddik, with giving the tzaddik a panasat, a livelihood, a sustenance, food to eat, money so he can survive, he draws the tzaddik close to Hashem in a way we can't imagine. Because God yearned for the tzaddik, the tzaddik yearned for Hashem. And their yearnings were so awesome, were so intense that they had to stop. And now this man was able to finalize it and bring it closer. Look how awesome this is. And we can only imagine, just aside from the, the details that we're discussing here, that the tzaddik eats a satiated soul to discuss how incredible this is. Nonetheless, imagine the yearnings Hashem has for His children. Especially for a person who, uh, who's very holy, who draws himself close to Hashem Barach. Like, uh, like the true tzaddik. Imagine how much yearning Hashem has for, for the tzaddik. And those who are able to give tzaddikah to the tzaddik, imagine what they're able to accomplish with this thing. It's something very special, something very lofty. We can't put a, a, number, a number in this. We can't imagine this. So, may we have the merit to give tzaddikah to the tzaddik, to print his books, to do things like this, that essentially, uh, what do you call it? Illuminate the light of the tzaddik, drawing him closer to Hashem and Hashem closer to him. Siman uh, Khafe, the last one for today. Rabbanu is going to discuss the greatness of thoughts and the power that uh, the thoughts that a person's thoughts have. The greatness of what it means to have thoughts in a person's mind. We're going to discuss this awesome idea, this awesome paradox, how something so spiritual can exist within the mind, which is so physical. But nonetheless, let's uh, let's hop into it. With regard to the thoughts of a person's mind, these thoughts, or thoughts in general, are truly one of God's great wonders. Blessed be He. How thoughts are placed, or organized in one's mind like bundles and piles one on top of another. And when a person needs something, when he remembers it, 
אזי מושך ומוציא אותו, הדבר שהיה מונח במחשבה. He draws and he takes out that thing which was placed in his mind, ונזכר בו. And he, he remembers it, he brings it into existence, he, he pays attention to it. והדבר פלא, and this thing, this, this idea, this situation, this experience, is a wonder. Where that thought was placed up until now. And now Rabbeinu is going to hop into this. Rabbeinu says there are symbols and associations that are, that are in the mind. Or there are symbols, associations, signs that are located in these, in these bundles of the mind. And when someone remembers something, when someone remembers something because he encountered an idea that might have stimulated the symbol or that sign associated with a particular thought. Basically, essentially meaning, for example, let's say a person, uh, God forbid, or a person, uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, God forbid, he, he got into a car accident. At a, at a certain street sign, right? At a certain uh, stop sign, right in front of a stop sign. Um, the next time he comes before that stop sign, he's just going to look at it. It's going to immediately remind him of that car crash that he had at that place because that, that stop sign stimulated that area in his brain which, uh, which that car crash was associated with. Why? Because he saw the stop sign initially. So there are signs, there's uh, symbols in the mind that the second you tap into that symbol, um, or the second you tap into an idea, you stimulate that symbol, and then it brings in a particular thought that is associated with that, uh, with that symbol. For example, the symbol, which is the stop sign. The second you look at it, you immediately remember, you reminded yourself of that uh, car crash. So you might be scared, it might uh, trigger a certain emotion that you feel whenever you come across that stop sign, whatever it might be. And that's just one example, but this happens every single day, literally every single moment. That's the way it works. Something triggers a, a symbol which then triggers that thought, whatever it is. Essentially, when you remember something, you're taking out that thought from among these piles of thoughts that are placed and arranged in the mind. And therefore, whenever you draw out and you take out that thought which you're specifically trying to remember, Essentially, you're transforming, you're rearranging, you're rotating all the other thoughts that were arranged initially in the mind, in the, in the arrangement that they were um, arranged in, in a person's head. Because if you take something, for example, Rabbanu is going to explain right now, the same is true the way we see things in a physical sense. When you want to take something out or draw something out of a pile or a parcel of something, for example, let's say you have a pile of books on the table. You want to take out the third book in the pile. If you take out the third book, immediately you're rearranging the pile in the order of the books on the table. Because now the number is different. The third book is no longer there. Essentially, you're rearranging the order. You rearrange and you organize in a completely different fashion the entire kupan, the chavira, the entire uh, parcel, the pile of thoughts that you uh, had before you took out that specific thought that you were trying to tap into. And this is something very unique. Of course, there's much more to this with regard to thought. 
But this is why uh, certain things affect certain things. This, what you think about during the day will affect what happens to you throughout the day. Because essentially you rearrange your thoughts and your mind. So depending on whether you think holy thoughts, good thoughts, you can affect yourself in a positive fashion. And you can turn around your thoughts and your mind to rearrange your thoughts, the power of your thoughts in a good way. It's very unique and very deep stuff. Obviously, I can't speak much about it. But uh, Rabenu seemed to know a tremendous amount of secrets about the sinyan of the thought, especially with regard to bad thoughts, good thoughts. One time Rabenu was saying, um, Rabbi Nathan uh, says in the name of Rabenu that one time I heard him say, uh, Rabbi Nathan one time heard Rabenu say that it had just been known to him the tremendous blemish um, one causes to himself whenever he thinks an evil or an immoral thought. Rabenu says, it's now been known to me the secret of a hirhur, or the, the great damage that a hirhur can cause, an immoral thought can cause. Rabenu obviously was tapping into very lofty and wondrous things that we cannot even imagine. And uh, of course, when Rabenu is saying something like this, he's really telling us that it's a tremendous wonder that Hashem Ibarach organized the mind in such a way that something, a thought, exists in, the, in this fashion, that there's piles of thoughts one on top of another, when you want to tap into something, you tap into a certain thought, and then when you take that thought out of the mind, essentially you rearrange the entire order of your thoughts in your head. It's an incredible thing. And um, we can draw much advice from this, Inyan, even though it seems very wondrous and very um, out of our grasp. Nonetheless, at a simple, in a simple way, we can uh, take whatever we can from this piece, of, uh, from this piece in Sikhot Aram. So uh, that's it for today. Rat Hashem, we continue next class with the Siman Chavav Bezrat Hashem.